morning's first reading will be Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of our God's Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteousness, of the things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. It was this great story. It was a story that happened in history, but it was not a story that stayed in history. It was relived every year when they celebrated the Passover because it wasn't simply about understanding that the blood of the lamb would be shed, understanding that it was painted on the doorpost, but it projected forward and said it was, it was, it was to remind them of the fact that God parted the Red Sea and that they walked through on dry ground and then on, having gotten to the other side, the sea came back and swallowed up the Egyptian army and all power that the Egyptians had to continue to pursue them. They started, and, and it's not that I want to say they started the day as slaves and ended the day as freed men and women, but the moment of time, from the moment that God sent Moses and said, I'm not going to leave them there anymore, in slaves, enslaved to an Egyptian pharaoh who thought it nothing when their numbers got too great to simply go and tear male babies from their mother's breast and throw them into the Nile River so that they would be eaten and killed. That's where they started and when God was done with them they were a free people living under his grace and his mercy. A story that for them filled every single story of redemption. When good things happened to them, they would say, it's like when Moses brought it, when God brought us through the Red Sea and brought us out of Egypt. And in many ways, that story continued into Jesus' day. And oftentimes the language, both of Paul's and Peter's letters, but also the language of Jesus and the people that surrounded Jesus would point to that day when God saved them through the Red Sea, when God brought them out of slavery. As an example, Zechariah has gone into the temple and the angel appeared to him and said that you'll have a son. He wasn't sure that that could happen and so the angel said you're going to be deaf, or you're going to be dumb, you're not going to be able to speak until the son is born, until all these things are fulfilled. The baby is born, and it's not until eight days later when they get ready to name him that he continues to not be able to, to speak. And when, he, when the, the moment for the naming of the child, which was going to be very untraditional, came, and his wife was saying, no, no, it's got to be John, and the crowd was saying, it can't be John, that's not your family's name, he spoke. His name is John. And the next thing he did was talk about God's salvation. This is the opening line. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he spoke this prophecy. I would go so far as to say he sang this prophecy. 
Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. That is language that when it was spoken that day and every time that it was spoken prior to it, and in reality, in so many ways, all through Jesus' life, that he would talk about redemption, it always, that language always had echoes of going back to the exodus from Egypt and their freedom from slavery. Zechariah says, my son's going to be part of a new exodus. My son is going to lead the way for God's people to be brought into their great salvation. So it is that that great yearning of God, God's yearning from the moment that men and women, Adam and Eve, chose to say, you know what, I think I'll do it my way and pick that fruit from the tree. It has been God's yearning to save them. It has been God's yearning to point towards his salvation. Whether that was in calling Abraham, whether that was in calling Moses, whether that was in the power that was exerted in the signs in Egypt and the power of bringing them through the Red Sea, whether it was the moment where Joshua came into uh, the promised land and the walls of Jericho fell at, at, at the voices of the children of Israel, or whether it was the raising up of David, or whether it was that day when a, when a small remnant were able to come back from exile in Babylon, but none of them pointed more. And it was the angels that celebrated in heaven and, and wise men from the east and lowly shepherds that came around a cave where a baby lay in a feed trough. And they said the salvation of God. God's yearning to be with his people. God's yearning to bring his people back to where they would be. And so it is when Jesus laid his hands out on the cross. That God said I want you to be near and I'm willing to pay this price. And then he raised him from the dead. And while not full in its completion. It was completed in all that. God needed to do to make it possible for us to be with him, us to no longer be separated him, us to be people who would be filled by his spirit and participating in his salvation. The New Testament will over and over describe salvation in more ways in reality than we can count. Every single time Jesus heals a blind man or a woman with an issue of blood or a person that's been possessed by a demon, he is proclaiming salvation. And so salvation language is throughout all of the text, but the action comes in three distinct, we call them tenses. Three tenses or three descriptions of how salvation comes. First of all, of course, we would point to this probably most regularly. In Romans chapter 8, he will say, we have been saved. In fact, the text that Jay read from Titus talks about the fact that we have been saved. Something has happened in the past that we can say because we are attached to that. And again, it's not just the past of our life saying that we've been in the waters of baptism, but instead it is that we can point backwards to what Jesus did on the cross and what God did in the resurrection to say, my salvation has been, in many ways, accomplished. It is a done thing. All that God need do has been done. But that's not the only way that the New Testament talks about salvation. In Philippians chapter 2, and in reality in Acts chapter 2, he will talk about that we are being saved, those who are being saved. 
Not simply a reference to what has happened in the past, but a reference to something that's going on right here and right now. I have spoken many times about the power of baptism and how we need to be sure and bring any baptism that occurs among us when our children are baptized, when new converts are baptized, whatever it may be. We want to feel the water splash on our face to remind us that what happened that day, however many years ago it was for you, that the effect of that is continuing today. And in reality, it's a daily decision that we get up and to say, I no longer want to live my life for me. I want to once again lay down my life and take up your life. And while we don't go to the baptistry to, to be put down into the water and raised to new life, it becomes a constant reality for us. It's a little easier for us to talk about it as something that happened back then. It is a little easier for us to say, well, I've been baptized, I've, I've, I've repented, and I confessed, and I've put my faith in Him, and I expressed that faith in the process of going into the waters of baptism, and I've been raised to a new life. It's easy for us to talk about what we did. Sometimes it's not as easy for us to talk about what we're doing. Are we still feeling the water of the baptistry in our life? Are we still in the process of being saved. Philippians chapter 2, work out your salvation. Work out those who are being saved with fear and trembling. And, and open yourself up to everything that God wants to do through, to you. Well, I'm betting that you can guess, right? If we've talked about being saved in the past, and we've talked about the fact that we are being saved today, then what's left for us to talk about that the New Testament wants to point us to? is the day that we will be saved. Now, I can compare this to the Exodus in many ways. There were signs and wonders that went on in Exodus, and there was the Passover, the, the Passover, uh, angel, Passover lamb was sacrificed, and the death angel came and, and killed all the firstborn of Egypt, in some ways kind of bringing justice for the firstborn lives of the children of Israel that the Egyptians had killed. And they go and they, they, they are part of a, a, an event that occurs where the sea opens up and they walk through on dry land on the other side. But in reality, even that day, they recognized that they were pointing towards something else, something that will be. It would take 40 years for them to get to the promised land. God opened the way much earlier than that, but they had no faith to go in. But it, it still was something that they longed for to be in the promised land. Moses would not get to see it, but he knew that it would happen. And even then, to a certain extent, going into the promised land, they didn't accomplish all that God wanted them to do. So there was a sense in which there was even more salvation to be done. You and I live on this side of the cross, hallelujah, and we recognize what Jesus did in the cross on that day when he died. And we recognize that as, as the New Testament describes it, three days later God would raise him up from the tomb. And, and the women would, would testify to the fact that they had seen the risen Jesus. And on that day we could say salvation came. But we continue to experience the opportunity to step into what God accomplished in the death, burial, and resurrection in Jesus. And aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that it didn't end on that day? It didn't end on the day of Pentecost 
when the thousands heard the message of repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the Holy Spirit, aren't you thankful it didn't end that day? And I'm really thankful it didn't end on the day of my baptism because there's so much more that God wanted to do around me and in me and through me that's about his salvation coming to the world. But what we all point towards, what we all point towards, it's a powerful thing. We all point towards the day when all the questions, all the wondering, all the struggles, everything will be put aside and it will all be behind us and we will live in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. I don't know where your place of worship is. I don't know where it is that you feel closest to God. Maybe it's with the rod and reel in your hand and casting out there and you get that hit and you get to pull in a fish. Maybe it's the idea that you get to, to be out on a hike in, in nature. And, and let me just say, hikes somehow or another are more fun when you're up in the mountains and, and all those kinds of things. Or maybe it is sitting on a beach. And I love our beach. And, and the problem is sometimes that I want to have a beach where the sun sets and I can see the sun set. I got to go to Hawaii many, many long years ago and I loved sitting on the beach and it was this wonderful moment of communion of God watching the sunset. We have a beach where the sun rises. But you have to get early, you have to get up early to enjoy that, but it can be done. Or maybe it is that you're, you're wired. That you come together in the assembly of the Lord, whether you're here in person or you're online, and you say, I hear the songs of salvation, and it's almost like I can taste home. Or maybe, maybe it's just when you pick up that little piece of bread that reminds you, and that cup, and it reminds you, and says, that today is not the end of the story. There is more that is to come. We savor those moments when the what will be kind of steps into the what is. We have been saved. We are being saved. But hallelujah, what we're living in now is not the end of our salvation because we believe that it will be made complete when Christ returns and all things are made new. There, may, there were so many people in the Bible that could talk about the way God saved them, but it seemed that one of the ones that was a main actor, especially as we talk about our, our foray into the gospel, it would be Paul. Paul, who was a, a devout Pharisee. He was zealous for God, and he was willing to kill people because he was so zealous for God. He was willing to persecute and enslave, put people in jail, people because of his love for God. And if there was anyone who could say, my path was going this way and God did something and it took me in a whole other direction, it was Paul. That day on the road to Damascus and the light came, a light that if you ever have a scientific question about whether light has substance or not, you can point to this story. It had enough substance to knock him to the ground. That's not a scientific argument, but I like making it anyway. Knocked him to the ground and he heard a voice. Christ appeared to him. He will say it that way. Christ appeared to him. And from that day, now let's be sure and say, 
I don't know how you say no to God at that point, but I still believe that he had the opportunity to say, no, I'm not going to believe it, but he didn't. That moment when God reached and said, your life has been completely contradictory to what I want it to be about, and I want to point you towards my true salvation. Not the salvation of being a legalistic Pharisee, but a salvation that understands that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that everything that you wanted the law to do, that it could never do, is accomplished in Christ. His life went in another direction entirely. And Jesus, almost from the get-go, said, I have something I need you to do that has nothing, it's the wrong way to say it, that isn't primarily centered on the Jewish people. Instead, you, this greatest Jew of Jews, I want you to be the man who breaks the barrier, who follows my lead through the Spirit. I want you to follow my lead, and I want you to bring the Gentiles to be grafted in to the family of God which is my gospel, and to the best of my knowledge, it is all of your gospel, that we would be chosen along with Abraham to be people of faith folded into what God is doing. But sometimes we forget when we talk about being saved, whether it was something that happened in the past and we point to the waters of baptism, or whether we talk about saving in the process that's going on today, and we're being shaped. And last week we talked about that process of being made holy, being coming closer to God, being more who he wants us to be. Or we talk about salvation that might happen in the future. Sometimes we forget at the center of it all is not that we are saved so that we have something to put up on the shelf, like a, an award. Everybody remember when you were in whatever it is, two-year-old soccer, right? And everybody got... a a trophy or you were in three-year-old softball because they have to wait till three because kicking is one thing hitting is quite another right or wait until you're in five and and the basketball game is literally six to two and we've played for 20 minutes and that's all the baskets that are made but everybody at that stage that was as good as the jokes are going to get y'all can either get on board i heard the people on youtube laughing before you laughed but we put that trophy up on the shelf and we say look what i've done You hear what's wrong with that? Look what I've done. In reality, it's true about the trophy on the shelf, isn't it? When it's two-year-old soccer and three-year-old softball and four-year-old, five-year-old basketball. You didn't do anything to get it. You showed up, you signed, your parents paid the money, you played a game. And you got a trophy. Woo! And you thought more about the oranges at halftime than you did about the trophy. And sometimes that's the way we think about our salvation. We put it up on the shelf and say, look what I have, or look what I've done. It's never about what I've done. It's always about what God's done. And if God has done something in the past, I can promise you that God is continuing to do something today, and God will not stop until it is fulfilled. So what are we saved for might be the question we should ask. It's not just being saved so that we can take it off the shelf and say, look at this wonderful thing. It's all done and complete. Oh, wait, let me get a little dust off of it. There we go. But instead, it is the idea that we are being saved for something. 
We're being saved for God's purposes. Paul puts it this way. I'm going to quote larger context around the Philippians 2 passage. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's that process word. Work out that which is continuing on. The tense there is continuing action. And before you kind of put it and say, oh, wait a minute, this is talking about me kind of doing things by myself. Notice that my beloved, all of you, work together to work out your salvation. For it is God who is at work in you. It is God who is at work in you so you can take a trophy off the shelf and say, look what I've done. No, it's God who is at work for you, enabling you to both will and to work for his good pleasure. If holiness that he points us to is about being nearer him, then the process of salvation is the process of me working my life closer and closer to the holiness that he wants me to be, that he is and that he invites me to become. One more thing that we might forget. First, we forget that we're saved for something. Second thing, we might forget, and let's just quote it first and then we'll talk about it. Genesis chapter 4, isn't it interesting that it will come so early in the pages of the Bible? Cain, in jealousy because his sacrifice was not found acceptable, ambushed and killed his brother Abel and God came to him. It's exactly like what happened in the garden. Do you remember God comes and he says, Adam, where are you? He knew exactly where he was, but he wanted to ask, where are you? Are you running away from me? Admit that you're running away from me. Admit that you're wrong. And he comes to Cain and says, where is your brother Abel? He doesn't say, I know you killed Abel. Did he know he killed Abel? The answer, of course, is yes. That's not what he asked him. He says, I'm inviting you to say, yes, I broke covenant. I did things outside of what God would have me be about. But that's not how he answers. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, baby, those words ought to echo in our ears. Now, I have to admit that sometimes I say them tongue-in-cheek, right? How are, how are Drew and Catherine doing? Am I my children's keeper? I don't know how they're doing. You call them, ask them how they're doing. How's Elise and Jason? How's that ministry going in San Angelo? I don't know. Am I my children's keeper? You call them, ask them. If you're interested, I guarantee you they'd love to tell you about it and ask you to pray for what they're doing. So sometimes I do it tongue-in-cheek, but make no mistakes. The answer to that question is God resoundingly saying, yes, you are your brother's keeper. And when Lot gets pulled away, God says to Abraham, don't let him go his own way, help him. And when the children of Israel at Sinai put up the the calf and God says, I'm just going to get rid of all of them and I'm just going to restart with you, Moses. Moses says, no, 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 no. Please. And then he spent 40 years helping shape them away from the golden calf and towards a people who would love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. 
language of the gospel is difficult. But I would have to say that my, my reading of the gospel of Christ says that one of the most painful things that happened to Jesus was when he said goodbye to Judas, having dipped the bread, do what you have to do quickly, because he wanted him to change his mind. And he wanted him not to be left away when he betrayed Jesus, which seemed to have to happen so that Jesus could be crucified, so that, so that God's eternal plan of paying the debt of sin and death with his body of his son had to take place. But I have a feeling, and I think the, the, the theme of the New Testament is that it hurt Jesus to let Judas go. And Jesus immediately said to Peter, Peace be with you. You see, it's not only that we're being saved for something, it is that we are being saved together. I don't want to go alone. I don't want you to go alone. I want us to work together. When we sing songs together in four-part harmony, we are combining voices to lift God's name up. And I couldn't do it without you, and you know what? You couldn't do it without me. And so we're invited to be part of that ongoing process of discovering anew the salvation that God accomplished in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and that he will complete when he sends him back and all things are made new. And today, you and I have the opportunity to help each other walk a step closer. There are no solos in foxholes. When armies go out to fight, they never train them to, you just do it all by yourself. Armies are taught to go out to fight arm in arm, side by side. And I want to pick up God's armor together with you and us move forward into the great salvation every single day that he wants us to be a part of. Because being saved is as much about the now as it is about the past and it is about the present about the future you know i love it um very quickly i love the way you are saying with your actions covid must be over we're at church what do we need a mask for we're at church why do we need to social distance we're at church we want to say it's all over and done and somebody say amen, there'll be a day when it will be, yes? But it's interesting that you come to church. Now, I know that there are folks, but I'm, I'm thinking there are fewer folks who behave that way at the grocery store. You don't just run up and hug somebody at the grocery store, for the most part. If you, if you haven't got your turkey yet, and you get there the day before Thanksgiving, and you find the exact right turkey, you may reach in that and hug the turkey, right? But it's in many ways, you're wishing it was over. You're wishing it was finished. 
you're wishing we didn't have to be separate and have to wear masks and have to not see everybody. We are so wishing that you could be with us. And so it is that every single day, you and I, not about COVID, but you and I get to say, someday there'll be no more hatred and I get to remove a little more hatred from my life. Someday there will be perfect justice and you and I get to step in and say, reach down to people who can't stand up for themselves and try to lift them up in some way. We get to join with an entire nation in trying to feed children in Haiti and say there'll be no more hunger. We get to join with people who are building houses and say there won't be anybody who's going to be homeless. We get to join with each other and say no one is going to be left behind. Being saved is as much about the now. Salvation is as much about the now as the past or the future. Acting today like new creation has come. Where are you in the process? Is it yet something that you can point to the past and say, I've been saved through the waters of baptism? If not, we'd love to talk with you. There are many people here who would, would be glad to work through the process of how you step into the water of baptism and what God wants to do with you there. Or maybe you're somebody who needs to be reminded that I'm continuing to be saved. God hasn't given up on me yet, and I need this church to pray for me. Or maybe you just want to say, I'm losing my vision of what will be. Don't leave me behind. If you want to reach out to us online, the number is there, and you're welcome to send us a message. I, I assure you that those messages will be followed up on. Let's take a moment to stand. And say with me, I have been saved. I saved. I will be saved. Today, I am being saved. Let's sing together. How sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those that love God.